Hello and welcome. This is Corinne Modokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. This is the intersection of both. All right, my friends, how are you doing today? (laughs) I am doing really, really well. This morning, I got to deliver a talk on podcasting 101. It's kind of mind blowing to think I've been podcasting for 14 and a half years. Holy smokes. (laughs) When I first started the show, this was not the vision that I had. If you had told me I would have done it for 14 and a half years, I'd be like, you're crazy. (laughs) There's no way. Back then I was worried about filling up 30 minutes of live air. And my strategy was to have a guest come on who happened to be a friend who was a mompreneur at the time. I knew she would talk a lot. So she would fill up a lot of the airspace (laughs) and how far I've come. I now do these shows. I do a lot of monologues on my own and I'm also bringing back guests and I'll be doing some interviews as well. But I'm now at the place where I mix it up a lot more and I'm comfortable with doing different styles and types. So that was so much fun to do that podcasting 101. So that was great at that convention that I got to speak at. And then this weekend, I've got another talk I'm preparing for about owning your mental health. And that actually is going to segue really well into today's topic of stop fault finding. And, you know, I'm going to be doing um, dare to lead training with a big group next week. So there's a lot on my plate. And let's see, it's fun work because this is my jam. This is what I love to talk about. Obviously, this is what I love to do. I can see all the contextual layers of it. And my dream has always been about people believing in themselves and moving forward and really aligning to what their heart is desiring and being able to live it and not have to be some unicorn, but like really doing what you want to do and being okay with that. So right now I'm in the thrust of it. And I often say I live an amazing life and there's shit shows everywhere. And there are literally shit shows everywhere today. (laughs) It was a great day. And there was also a porter potty in my story too today. So (laughs) I was talking to my assistant earlier and she's like, there literally are shit shows in your life. I'm like, yep. (laughs) But in the end, I get to talk with you. So I'm really, really happy to be here. Today, I'm talking with you about fault finding. And my invitation for you is to stop it. And the reason I'm saying stop it is that my hunch is is that you are fault finding on yourself. You're blaming yourself. You're beating yourself up. And we need to stop fault finding. I should have done it better. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I parented that way or I can't believe I led that way. And maybe you didn't even learn it till now. I was recently running a training for a group of leaders and all of a sudden I can see one of the men was had all the shame because he realized how he led 10 years ago was not what we were teaching and learning and talking about and who he had become as a leader. And so one of the things that becomes really important is we give ourselves forgiveness My Angelo says, you do the best that you can with what you know. And when you know better, you do better. My friends, 
We weren't brought into this world knowing how to do it all perfectly right. We weren't supposed to be A plus livers of life. We learn a lot from falling down. I've been saying that pretty consistently since about 2006. And that continues to be my message to you. We fall down. And when we fall down, instead of blaming or finding fault, that is our opportunity to look at what are our key learnings and grow. And that is how we get better. And that is how we evolve. So as I talk about this today, I want to think about like what's happening in the world. And so I have clients around the world and I know in some parts of Canada, they're shutting down. Australia is getting a little bit stricter about stuff, though they've been way more open than we have. And where I live, schools are opening. Everybody, well, not everybody's really excited. There are some people that are really excited and saying, this is great. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And remember, there will be obstacles. (laughs) We must always remember, otherwise we're lying to ourselves, that even when we get the things that we want, there will be obstacles. We have this like (laughs) misconception that, oh, once we get what we want, it's going to be easy street, like boom. And then the first obstacle comes and we go, oh, it's because I'm a loser and that's why it's happening. No, there are always obstacles. So for some people, they're going to transition back to schools really, really fantastically. It's going to go and it's be smooth and they're going to be totally ready for it. And I know this because this has been happening in just my own community is there's going to be some families and some kids who are going to have a lot of anxiety. And it doesn't mean that they're weak. It doesn't mean that something's wrong. There's this uncertainty, right? We've been out of school for 13 months, 13 months, at least in my community. I know in some parts of the States, people have been back. I have clients on the East coast. Their kids have been back since the fall. So everybody's a bit different, but this is about the transitions. Transitions are challenging, right? Transitions are challenging and we don't need to find fault because that doesn't help. In fact, that's a great way to trigger shame. So with these schools, reopening, it's so important to be emotionally aware of what is going on. And this is more important now than ever. And that means being able to understand what we're feeling on the inside of us, what feelings of those that we love are feeling, right? Because we can feel it. And when you can name it and identify it, it makes it less scary just by being able to lame it when it's like, oh, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling vulnerable or I'm feeling afraid or I'm feeling worried. And we can name it and share it with somebody who's earned the right to hear it. And when we can feel the feelings, then we can also unpack what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Oh my gosh, I'm going to go back to school and X is going to happen. Like, are you dress rehearsing tragedy? Is your child dress rehearsing tragedy? Being aware of these stories one of the things that I like to think about with stories is that it's like the tabloids. So one of my favorite things that I like to do, I guess it's a fun fact, is when I do go to the grocery store, which hasn't been a whole lot this year, as I'm standing in line, because, you know, high achiever, don't want to waste time. I like to stand there and I like to read the covers (laughs) of the tabloids. And it's kind of this game of, will I be able to read it fast enough before I get pulled in, you know, to the clerk? And Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but I love to read it. And I remember reading it and there was a time it was like Hillary Clinton gave birth to an alien. I was like, okay, fascinating. And then there was a time Bruce Jenner is a woman. I was like, okay, fascinating. And the thought in the back of my head was time will tell 
which one is true? So we now know the answers to one of those. But if we could treat our own brain as that way, instead of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to school and it's going to be a horrible, horrible thing. If we could treat it like the tabloids of it could be true, it could not be true. We'll have to wait and see, right? And that wait and see is maybe also contributing to the anxiety. But sometimes for me, it's like, okay, I'll be able to figure it out. I will get through this. And being able to trust our insides, our inner compass versus what most of us do is try to trust the map. It's like, no, we have to have it all mapped out. It has to work perfectly that way. And there can't be any obstacles because I can't pivot. We want to trust our inner compass. So as schools reopen, as we reopen, you know, as we were so depleted, it's now been 13 months of COVID. We're exhausted. And that's the other thing I've been finding with my clients is a lot of them are hitting another wall, tired, exhausted, stress levels have been high. So it becomes really, really important in this time to really cultivate self-awareness and being aware of what am I feeling? What am I thinking? And then the other part of that is how are you taking care of you? Right? And I remember Jen Loudon, who's been on the show several times, she was a guest on Oprah and she was the first to come out and start talking about self-care. And that was like, how dare you? How dare you? That's such a privileged thing. My friends, self-care for me is waking up in the morning without an alarm clock and laying in bed for 20 to 30 minutes. And I tend to wake up at like five. My body just, I was never a morning person. This is just a midlife thing that's happening but I've given myself permission that I don't have to be productive or efficient at five in the morning, that I can have that space to just gently wake up, think, be with myself. That is self-care. Hasn't always been that way in my life. There was a time that I was waking up at five or four and having to get up and go and had eight minutes to get ready. I get that. But finding ways of having self-care. Another way of having self-care is disconnecting from social media. That has been huge self-care, right? Not having to be on my phone or going in, checking in on what's going on. And this is something that I've been playing with over the last six months of how do I feel when I'm on there? How do I feel when I get off of there? Because I also noticed the slight frustration if those of you who are struggling with not enough time, (laughs) I'm always agitated at how much time I had just spent or quote lost by being on my phone and going through social media and the value of it at the end didn't feel very great. There was nothing that really stuck or landed with me. So evaluating those things. So taking care of yourself isn't about you need to go to a spa, you need to, you know, spend lots of money. It's it's the small things that you do day in and day out that take care of yourself, that fill your soul. You can even think of self-care as soul care. We need to be able to take care of our bodies. Sleep is another form of self-care, making sure I get enough sleep. So what is your soul care? And here's some more free items. Again, we've all been going through tremendous stress in the past 13 months. And one of the things that's really important is that when we feel the emotions is to be able to complete the stress cycle. One of the things you can do is hug somebody and hug them for 20 seconds. It's enough time where it starts to feel a little uncomfortable. Like, is this enough? 
And when I've done this, and again, it has to be with the people in your bubble, right? Maybe it's your family, people I've loved. They've like, their body has tremored in releasing the stress. That's Dr. Peter Levine's work, right? Of the stress and shaking it out. So it's so, so important. I just gave you a few examples of self-care and helping reduce stress that don't cost anything in 20 seconds is something that we all have. We all have 20 seconds. The other thing is like, you know, and I've done this a lot in this last year is crying. Crying is fantastic, right? There's appropriate times. Like if I were to come on here on the show and cry with you, that wouldn't be appropriate, but crying, feeling your feelings, journaling is fantastic. The other thing that really helps me is and my clients are connecting with others, whether they're your friend or your family. The only problem with that, the only obstacle is they may not have the capacity, whether it's time-wise, their own emotions, or they may jump in and want to fix it or fix you. And you're like, I don't want to be fixed. I just want to, you know, be seen and be heard for the mess that I am in without any judgment. So if they don't have the capacity to hold space for you, that's okay. That doesn't mean that they don't care about you. They may be in their own struggles. And that's the beauty of having a coach, right? Because there is an agreement and there is space created for you to be able to process, for you to be able to, you know, feel your stuff without having to worry about burdening other people. So connecting with others, And your ability to create and cultivate self-awareness will be key in moving through this mental health pandemic that we're all approaching. So we've been going through COVID and now there's all these hopes and dreams of like, we're going to reopen, we're going to go back to normal. There's a mental health pandemic that's been going on and it's been brewing and brewing and it's coming big and fast. So it's really important to have self-awareness. What we want to do is numb it, run away from it right? Push it away. It's coming, my friends. Now, when we do the self-awareness, the key is that it's not fault finding, right? It's not about blaming you that you did it wrong. It's not about blaming other people. They did it wrong because none of that feels very good. And it gets in the way of what we need for self-care, for our soul care, the connection, right? So it's not about blaming other people. It's not about beating ourselves up further, one of my clients has this resistance to doing our mindset practice. She's like, Corinne, every time I do the mindset practice, I feel like it's all my fault. It's all my fault, right? And we need to get out of beating ourselves up of what we've done wrong and instead turn it around to what's my key learning? What can I learn from this? You know, Brene has that quote that I've really learned and understand now 10 years later in my bones so much more. I used to say it all the time, go, hmm, but it's owning your story and loving yourself. That's the bravest thing you can do, right? Owning your story and loving yourself. So if you're a parent who can go zero to hundred in your anger and be really mad and, you know, say stuff and you can own your story and love yourself, that's actually going to lead to more change and creating change than if you pretend it didn't happen. That's not going to lead to change right? If you're hot-headed at work or you violate a, somebody's secrets and you don't own that story, you're not going to create those changes. So it's so important to have the ability and the courage to own your story and love yourself 
and then work on focusing on creating what you want to have, creating the relationships you want to have, creating the trust that you want to have. Even when you break trust to own, this is what I broke and I want to work on cultivating more trust. Now, the key element in all of this is compassion, compassion with yourself. So you can be curious, right? And have the capacity to look at what's working well and what needs improvement. My friends, none of us are a done project. (laughs) We are all works of art that are evolving over time. And sometimes we get the paintbrush and we go, Oh, I want to paint this part. or I'm going to darken this color. Ooh, I don't like this. And so I'm going to change this area where works of art, each one of us human beings are works of art and we are messy, which is so hard for when you're perfectionist or you're trying to be perfect or you're, you know, you're worried about the imposter syndrome. We're like, no, I don't want to be messy. I have to be put together. I have to have it all together but I'm a hot mess on the inside. My friends were all messy. There's not a person that I haven't met, no matter how successful, how accomplished, how good looking, whatever the status is, come from the right family, the right money, whatever it may be, who isn't also messy. We're all messes. That's why I like to say, I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere. (laughs) Today, it was a porty potty that I had to deal with. So it wasn't shit shows, but there were shit shows everywhere. There have been shit shows this whole week. It's so fascinating. <laughs> laughter. Oh, laughter. Remember that stress response, like stress cycle? Like one of the things that becomes so important is the ability to laugh with yourself. Laugh with yourself, never at yourself, because that can be like, oh, you're such a loser, Corinne. But laughing with yourself right? Laughing. Laughter is part of the way through all of this. So we're messy, we're not complete, and we're not supposed to be perfect. Self-awareness is about opening our eyes and really looking. And it's our ability and willingness to see our blind spots. And for those of you who are like, oh, I don't want to be courageous. I don't need to be courageous. Why does Brene keep talking about courageousness? Because in order to see our blind spots, we have to be courageous. We have to be willing to see who we are that we really may not like about ourselves. And that doesn't mean we're being not compassionate. It's like, oh, I don't really like that. So an example of this is one of my core values is integrity, honesty, integrity, authenticity. It's one of my core values. It's one of the pillars that I have. And I think about it a lot. It helps me make a lot of decisions. When I get into a place of not enough time, I don't feel good about myself. So like I'm feeling not worthy or I don't usually use the word impostures, but when I just don't feel good enough or they don't respect me, that's really the trigger. They don't respect me. I get really righteous because I'm in shame and I just dial up that, that value of mine of integrity and I get righteous and I get on that soapbox and I just talk at people and it just comes and I'm on that soapbox. And then I'm like, nobody's listening. (laughs) So when I found out many years later (laughs) that this was a pattern that of what I did, I was like, oh, and yes, there was a bit of a shame storm, but because I was able to be compassionate and be curious with myself, I was like, oh, that's what happens. I'm in integrity and then it's not working. It's not working. So I dial it up more, but I use shame and fear to like kickstart it, to like dial it up 
And then I become righteous and I'm like a dog with a bone that's just not going to let go. And I can just exhaust people because I've got grit. I'm willing to persevere. And they're like, oh, here she comes. Here she comes. Right? Not a pleasant experience for any of us. So because I've been able to be more aware of that, instead of like going in for the kill or having to win, right? And that, so some of you may have heard like, you don't have to win every battle. That was me. And those were the advices people would give me. And I didn't understand the context of that. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. My way is right. Right. And I was so stuck with that. I got perceptually blind. I didn't see the different layers of the context. So being self-aware, you open your eyes. You're able to get feedback. You're able to receive feedback and look at what's true for me and what doesn't fit. That is so important. That's you developing your own agency. you developing your own sense of self, right? Huge. So when you can see what's going on, that's going to give you so much freedom and empowerment. And you can also allow yourself to feel. Feelings are data points. They're just information. And I use the word just because we get so afraid of them that we do a lot of stuff to disconnect from them versus if we feel them, we actually, it's taking the armor off. One of my clients had a rough day and, you know, COVID's coming back up in her part of the world and she's not feeling safe and all these emotions. And she kind of, you know, she had to carry out her day. She's a professional and on the drive home, she started to check in with herself and she asked herself, what am I feeling? You know, and what, what are the stories that are going on? And she cried and she let herself cry on the drive home and she was with it. She gave herself the permission. And then when she came home, she had dinner and she said, normally she comes home and then afterwards it's like, oh, I just, I can't do this. I can't do that. And she's like, then I would just sit on the couch and eat the Easter eggs, right? Easter egg candy. And she said, you know, I felt a bit lighter, had dinner, my husband cooked, so I cleaned. That's, that's their sacred agreement as a married couple. And she said, I set myself up for success the next day. This comes from a woman her, her whole life was told, you're not allowed to feel. You are responsible, in fact, for my feelings. This was by her parents, right? And she has been learning how to feel. And by doing that, it has taken off that extra weight in her life. Doesn't change anything externally. And in fact, it was like, I started going, hmm, okay, maybe I am the fairy godmother because she came in feeling like crap and left feeling a lot better (laughs) and nothing in her world changed. So I'm not the fairy godmother that I can, you know, make the jackass at work be nicer or, you know, get your kids to pick up their socks because I'm still working on that one. But being able to help you process your emotions and you're like, Corinne, what's the process of emotions? But being self-aware, creating this emotional intelligence within you where you're self-aware and you can manage your feelings and your thoughts, not manage them by pushing them down, but allow them to flow through. Like when we turn on the sink, we're managing the water to come out into the sink, right? And then we turn off the sink and the water stops. That's what I'm talking about. Not pushing it down, squelching it, numbing it, which we're all really, really good at. We do it with food. We do it with money. We do it with 
anger. We do it with powering over, right? We do it with drinking. How can I push away those feelings? But instead, when we can feel it and move through it, it actually feels so much better. And then we can have the connections that we want. So in order to be able to do that, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable, right? Being comfortable with the uncomfortable. In our world, we all like to be bubble wrapped, bubble wrapped from pain, bubble wrapped from problems. But really when you can train your mindset, like I really think of most problems now, I'm sure there'll be a new opportunity coming up now that I'm addressing this. (laughs) There's me foreboding joy. But when we can look at problems as obstacles and how do we overcome it? Or even like I've said here many times, do you have the capacity to overcome it right now? Does it need to be addressed today or can you come back to it? There are many things in my day right now that it's not on the schedule and I will come back to it. It wasn't necessary to do right now, but there were other things on my schedule. I will get to it, right? But that's about me putting myself first as my own priority. So being comfortable with the uncomfortable, when you can do that, you can be present with others. When we can't be comfortable with the uncomfortable, then we can't be present because we're constantly like trying to figure out like, okay, how do I numb this? This feels horrible. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? How am I going to do this? And the person's talking to you, but you're already having a conversation. They're like the sidebar conversation, right? Because you have this conversation in your head. Oh my gosh, I need to get to that email. What am I going to say? This is what I'm say. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say that. Maybe I should say this. And you're not present with the people that you want to be with. That's why it's so important to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like, oh, there's that email. I will get to it right now. This is what I'm doing. And when we can be present, that is what's going to allow us to cultivate the connection with others, the love for ourselves and for others. But when we go into fault finding, that is the fastest path to disconnection, right? We go into fault finding. That is the fastest path to disconnection. As a parent, I'm a really good fault finder. It's not a great way to parent working on this. I'm a work in progress myself, right? And fault finding is rooted in shame. And I want to go back to this concept that I came up with years ago because I think about, not that I garden, (laughs) I don't like dirt in my nails, and I'm also afraid of doing it wrong. I'll just own that story. But I look outside and right now I have all these poppies that are growing and these wildflowers and, and I think about it and we have this really healthy soil and it's, there's compost and my husband really does a, a fine job of really nurturing and providing nutrients. And I have just watched over the years, this garden just grow so vibrantly. We get these really tall, vivacious sunflowers and I live in agriculture land. So there's a lot of sunflower fields and those sunflowers are so short, right? Cause there's a farm maintenance program going on, but ours is like thriving because we have this healthy soil. So the way I think about it is you can grow stuff in toxic soil where there's a lot of chemicals and toxicity. And I mean toxicity, I mean, you know, the mean things that we say, you're a loser, you don't really matter, you have nothing valuable to share, you're lazy, you don't work hard enough. You can grow, but it's like trying to grow a garden in toxic soil. But going back to that whole self-care, if you like to garden, how do you take care of your garden? Whether it's in a pot or outside, do you nurture it? Do you feed it water? Do you make sure there's sunshine? Do you keep make sure it stays warm when it's cold weather? 
Do you take care of the soil? Right? So sometimes we take care of the plants or other people or other things better than we do ourselves. And not just sometimes, most often. But when you do take really good care of the soil, of this plants, of your garden, your garden's going to grow. It's going to be vivacious. And sometimes some things don't grow, right? I know my husband's had crops of tomatoes that didn't work out so well, even though he had great soil. There were other elements. Maybe we, it was too cold, maybe planted too late, right? But there were always key learnings instead of fault finding of, oh, well, you're a fraud. You shouldn't be a pretend farmer outside. <laughs> He says, you know, why are you growing tomatoes? He likes to garden. He likes to grow. So instead of fault finding, go for key learnings. And we want to be growing stuff in that soil that's filled with love and nurturance, right? There's going to be some toxic stuff that come in from time to time and we just pick it out or, you know, we just continue to add more love and care. But by doing that, instead of fault finding, we learn and that's where it happens. The key learnings that we're able to see and grow and adapt with. So fault finding is rooted in shame. Key learnings is rooted in love, compassion, curiosity. As you go through your day, ask yourself, how do you want to feel? Do you want to be in the shame storm or do you want to be feeling love and compassion or curiosity? And then what happens in your life when you're in those feeling states? So my friends, the final thought on this love and compassion with yourself will cultivate your ability to have love and connection with others. You first must be your own potted plant, right? Where you take care of yourself so that you can give to others. So instead of finding faults, my invitation for you is for you to turn that into key learnings and move from there. All right. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts in television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.